So as I'll conclude, I'll be in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I'm going to read just two verses and I want to walk us through with my future hopes and plans um, and the basics of what it looks like to walk out being a radically diverse family, global family of church planting churches. I'm just going to read six and seven from there. I'm going to read from five. Romans 15, and I'm reading from the CSB, the Camden Street Bible. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ has also accepted you to the glory of God. I'll stop there. As I mess with one of my dear friends and who's been a great research assistant with me, great exegete, um, my buddy Ed Robinson, as we talked about this idea, he thought this would should be called, and I'm going to steal his title and go ahead and say it, in order to be a radically diverse family of church planting churches, a global family, we need, we need a gospel mix for gospel mission. We need a gospel mix, not a mix of gospels, but a gospel mix for gospel mission. And we need to be reshaping and shaping or shaping how the gospel and understanding how the gospel shapes the ethnic minority experience in Acts 29. We have to find out what's missing. We have to deal with the concerns. We have to deal with complaints. We have to, we have, to have some really maybe challenging conversations with one another as ethnic diverse group and with our Anglo-dominant culture brothers about what it means for a multi-ethnic everything in our network that is gospel-centered and not diversity-centered. And my vision as director of diversity initiative is that I don't want this to be an aesthetic change, but an overall change. This is not adding, I'll pick on Pastor Dwayne, we just had Chick-fil-A. And I could have taken the chicken off and just gave him the bread and the pickles and called that the vegetarian meal. That's not what we want when we say a radical diverse family. We don't want a table full of meat and then two pieces of asparagus for the vegetarian but we want to have a conversation when before we set the table, considering all the people involved and all the people we want at the table. We must move from tokenism to total transformation. Dr. Tony Evans says this in Oneness Embrace. Authentic oneness comes as an outgrowth of shared lives, not simply through a cross-culture experience here or there. I don't want for Acts 29 to give us a special night where we bring up some ethnic minority worship leaders for a song. I want us to blend the band for every song. I want us to sing in Spanish with no translation. I want us to sing in represent the, the nations of this network. 
So we must grow towards a more diverse, multi-ethnic network, not a network with a multi-ethnic section. I think about that all the time when you go to, when you go to Rite Aid, you know, um, I use put gel in my hair. So when I go to Rite Aid, I got to find the black eye, the black section where there's a whole room of products for Anglos. And there's one little shelf for black hair. Ain't no Korean hair section. Ain't no Indian hair section. You got some black hair. And if you go a little bit down the street, you can find maybe some Spanish hair stuff. But I don't want to be a shelf. I don't want to be one square foot in a 20,000 square foot space when that one square foot should be integrated into every aspect of who we are. Pastor Dwayne already told us it was an all nations gospel for all nations. And we will still teach all things that Christ commanded. And so the fact that we use the language ethnic minority, there's... I don't think that was the language of Matthew 28. Go reach the ethnic minorities. There's a misappropriation of understanding of what that means. And so we have to scrap some definitions and make some new definitions. We're not the multi-ethnic. <laughs> we're the people of God reaching the, the lost people in the world. And we're the people from all nations reaching all nations with the all nations gospel. Not the black section. Not the ethnic minority section, the gospel section. Don't reduce us. We don't want reductionalism for the sake of cultural insertion. We want to call everybody to retalk how they talk. Diversity must be fully integrated. Pastor Brandon said that well, integrated into the network. We must build a culture of common love around the cross where we foster a diverse group that is very different but united by Jesus. And we must rebuke the culture of unhelpful complaining and call people to commitment. So when I think about this creating a common future, it was a very simple. So when I say um, creating a common future, common as Acts 2, the gospels preached, folk get saved. That's common when we preach the gospel. The gospel gets preached, folk get saved. The gospel gets preached, demons get ran out. The gospel gets preached, people get healed. The gospel gets preached, churches get planted. That's common. But what does the future look like when we do that as a all nations network? Do we cast out black demons and Indian demons? Are people getting black saved and Indian saved? And Korean saved? Nah! It's one unifying reality. The Holy Ghost just saves filthy sinners of all races. And when we begin to change the language of what we see and what we say, it's going to radically change how we think and move for the future. Remember, when you think diversity, I want to make clear, I'm not diversity-centered. And Acts 29 is not diversity-centered. Let me tell you something that's diversity-centered. Walmart. They set up shops so that they are strategically around every race within 15 minutes. Next time you go to Walmart, notice there's every race in the building, nobody's fighting. They're all looking for the little cheap price. They even have little seeker-friendly prices. 386. 
That's just four dollars. But four dollars sounds so much more than 386. And you buy it. And then you say it's so expensive at 7-Eleven. It's only $3.99 at 7-Eleven. I'm saying that because they're drawing with tactic and strategy. They're diversity centered. Tell you another place that's diversity centered. Hell is diversity centered. Hell is a diverse place. It's got a diverse group of people. And they're all centered around rejecting Jesus. So we're not diversity centered. We ain't chasing that. We're not diversity centered like Walmart. We're not chasing no money. We're not diversity centered. We're gospel centered. Why? Because our diversity is not gathered around the idea of ethnic minorities, but it's gathered around the person and work of the perfect Jewish savior named Jesus. So I don't even want to get out the bed and put my flip flops on to do some diversity centered ministry. That ain't worth my energy. I've been called it too many times to be bothered with talking about some diversity center. I want to preach a gospel that tears down racism and classism and elitism and colonialism and we have a greater gospel. I love Black Panther, but we celebrated so much about Black Panther. We preach a gospel that they should be talking about Jesus forever. When Hollywood makes a bigger hope than the gospel, we're losing. Wakanda forever. I love Black Panther. I mean, I, I don't got no garb because I'm cheap. But I retweeted the garb wearing folk. But the hope and the joy in black folk across the world about a fake place. And we preach a real place with the real God, with real transformation, with the real Holy Ghost that takes down real devils, that breaks down real barriers. How come they ain't screaming that when they walk out of our church? They should be remnant forever. Epiphany forever. Wellspring forever. But we not. We just not. Hell, hell is a, div- a diverse place, but the church is uniquely diverse because it's around Jesus. Tony Evans also says this, the solutions to the issues we face today are, not fa- are found only by applying the biblical and divine standard as answers, to, um, as answers to the questions before us. The church should be a model at such times as this to reveal to the world what true oneness, equality, and freedom can produce. Remember, we are about oneness in Acts 29, not sameness. And remember, I'm not calling us to do some aesthetic changes. Slumlords do that. They paint over mold. They put carpet over holes in floors. We're not slumlords. We believe in transformation at our cost. Last night, Pastor Rich Rivera and Yadi and Pastor Jake didn't, somehow their room got messed up. And so they, was, they had no room here. And the guy from the hotel came down. And he says, I remember you from years. I said, yeah, man, I need you to take care on my, on my Puerto Rican folk because he's violent and he might do something bad in this hotel if you don't take care of him. 
I, I wanted to say that. I just didn't. I didn't want to scare him. So I says, well, you know, he says, well, Pastor, we out of rooms. And I know we said he had the room, but I says, well, brother, I mean, tell me what you're going to do. Well, it's beyond the cost that you paid. I says, but you made the error. He says, and you know what? We're going to upgrade him at our cost. So as pastors, gentlemen, the gospel we preach and the life we live under the hits that we take, we upgrade people at our cost. We upgrade them to understand Jesus even after being cussed out. We upgrade them at our cost. Rich could have lost his mind and went off and said, see, it's because I'm Puerto Rican. The guy didn't even let that happen. He handled it as his cause. One thing, gentlemen, if we're going to be radically diverse, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be some rough times. White folk going to say some disrespectful stuff to you. You know, I heard the guy on the video recently. He says, these white folk done lost their mind. That's all right. We will still upgrade them at our cost because we're gospel men. Jesus upgraded us at his cost. Undeserved. Now, I had paid for Rich's room, so it was an upgrade, but it was still at my cost. Only thing we paid for Jesus was his death. We contributed to the murder of an innocent man, and he still upgraded us. At his cost. How much more do we have to do that in this blind revisionist history? Presidents, loose tongue and loose Twitter fingers. World, do we have to signal? Come to us in the midst of these challenges. We have an answer from the scripture. And how many times have you tried that and been told you bringing that mess in here? That don't got nothing to do with the gospel. People have left your church. Upgrade them at your cost. I think Romans 15 helps us with that. Romans 15, I think about Romans. Romans was a diverse place full of every type of drug, prostitute, full of every type of God, a pantheon of gods, a, a myriad of ideologies, lasciviousness at its highest, sex-driven culture, worship of men, the emperor was God, and yet there was a church there that Paul loved. And he's teaching them what it looks like to be a diverse family as a church in a diverse mess called Rome. You and I have that same issue, and I don't want you to hear me making Acts 29 white dudes Rome. I want you to hear me making your cultural context in your city Rome. And so we've got to navigate what it looks like to demonstrate that we believe that diversity is gospel-centered and we gather around Jesus and not diversity-centered because we are anointed preachers, not activists. 
So we're not arguing for black rights. We're arguing that the gospel be premier, that the gospel be the highest level and standard by which we live. And it brings life and godliness and all that we need to accomplish God's will in the earth. That's what we're bragging about. That's what we're arguing about. That's our stand. That's what makes us cry. That's what makes us leave good jobs and take less jobs to go do ministry and be cussed out. That's what makes us join predominantly white denominations who for years don't get it. It's the gospel. It's not your gifting or your skill or your ability to navigate race conversations. It is the gospel who gets me up. It's the gospel that drives me. It's the gospel that keeps me from choking white people when they say nasty stuff to me. It's the gospel that drives me. If it's anything else, pack it up. Stop being a pastor. Because if you're angry, you ain't helping us. You misrepresent us, just like Paula White does when she calls herself an evangelical. She misrepresents us. And if you're a reformed, actually not planning, and you're angry, and you're cussing folk out, you're misrepresenting who the, what the gospel is. I need you to be angry with control. I need you to be like Bruce Lee with some karate anger. I need you to channel that thing with some shuka shuka. I don't need you to... Be at the weigh-in and punching the dude in the mouth? That ain't gonna work. I don't need you to be Draymond Green getting four texts. About to lose it all for us. Because you mad at LeBron. Come on, man. Control that thing. You don't misrepresent the gospel. Now they're going to think we all crazy. They already think the little boy talking about with Trump and them already think the evangelicals is crazy. We ain't them. Paul wanted to make sure that the church in Rome didn't misrepresent the community, the gospel-centered community the church was. Look at Romans, look at verse 5, and I'm going to walk us out. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. In other words, may God who is the source of endurance and encouragement grant you endurance and encouragement that the ne- that is necessary for you to love and live harmoniously with brothers and sisters whose diversity is, a, is personally challenging. He's doing this in the context of a blended community that didn't fully understand one another, and they are still called to live in harmony. I know for us, we use language like, I'm just not used to that yet. Nah, get used to it, is what he's saying. And so we ask that God may grant you the endurance necessary to deal with the differences brought about by diversity, to allow your personal preferences to be tested, to resolve disputes and disagreements in love, to live with those whose cultural practices may make you uncomfortable, but not because of sin, but because of unfamiliarity, to patiently listen to the frustrations of others. How do we deal? We got to sit down and talk. And when we sit down and talk, are we going to get our way? No, but we kill prerogative for personal connection. Jesus, the infinite perfect person, had no reason to be humble, and he was. But us and our filthy, sinful selves have every reason to be humble, but we're not. It's going to take humility, people of God, and it's hard. It's hard. Let me, I want to give a story here, and I'm messing up my time. Gloucester City is a place near Camden. They call it White Camden. 
no teeth dudes, Confederate flags, trailer park, white high concentration of poverty. I began to go to Gloucester City about five or six years ago. And in so doing, they throw the, the N-word around regular. So they would say stuff like, when I'll be in the room, boy, it's getting bold out here. And he wouldn't say it to me, because I'm saved, but he can still get these hands. <laughs> but they would say it in the atmosphere. And I would go through, and they'd blow the horn at me, middle finger me, talk about how black people are related to monkeys in a conversation while I was in line. For five years, I went to Gloucester City and got my hoagie, and I went to the bank. For five years, I was called out on my name in the atmosphere, not to me. A guy ordained back in 2004 was in Africa. His daughter got sick. He came home from Africa, and he said, Pastor Diddy, the Lord's been pressing on my heart when I was in Africa to plant a church in Gloucester City. I know Epiphany probably won't be into that, knowing the history of Gloucester City. What do you think? I said, Joe, I've been praying that a gospel-centered church would be in Gloucester City for the past five years. Let's do it. That church launched two months ago. And with swastika Aryan nation tattooed white boys coming to Christ at his church, but I had to put down my preferences. I had to take the cuss out. I had to be called outside of my name. I was trying to be faithful. Don't act like I was perfect. I wanted to punch every one of them in the mouth. I wanted to come back and do something. But by God's grace, when we put down prerogative, it's going to cost you something to be a radically diverse network. It's going to cost you something. But oneness, as we see it, Dr. Evans says again, but oneness, as we see it through a careful study of Scripture, is worth the effort. This is because oneness is the preeminent vehicle through which God displays not only his power and his presence, but also his glory. So to walk in there and speak at the launch and to see white people who said nasty things to me saying, and here I am to worship, it's worth all of that. And it's worth all of it for your city. It's worth all of it for your grandchildren. It's worth all of it because, it, as Dr. Evans says, it displays his power, his presence, and his glory. Not your glory. You take that hit. It hurts. You'll be all right. We Holy Ghost folk. We resurrection folk. We take a licking, but we pop back up like popcorn because our Savior popped right out of the grave like popcorn. Then he says, furthermore, may grant us an appropriate measurement of encouragement necessary for us to be an encouragement to one another. 
Now may the God who gives endurance to encourage and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. So God's going to grant us the appropriate measure of encouragement necessary for us to be an encouragement to one another. Encouraged by God to be to be support brothers in Christ despite minor differences. Encouraged by God to major on the majors and minor on the minors. Encouraged by God to fight harder, to find areas of common ground rather than reasons to break fellowship. Encouraged by God to build more bridges than barriers. But where do we find a supply of endurance and encouragement? What will we, what are we to drink, what well are we to drink from when God's people have worn us out? It's the gospel. Because look what Paul says at the end of five. Endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. You can't do this by your strength. You can't do this by your strategy. I know you got a lot of new books engaging the race challenge. And I know we've got a lot of great minds who have written stuff. I promise you, all the presuppositions might be great and all the, 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 the workouts might be beautiful. But you can't do this with strategy. It's going to take the Savior to do this. It's going to take the Spirit to do this. I know you're brilliant. I know you're brilliant. I learn and love all of you. But it's going to take the Holy Ghost for radical diversity. It's go- if we could accomplish it without Jesus, well, this wouldn't be called the church. If we could accomplish it without Jesus, this is not the church. This is just a think tank. We're not a think tank. We're wounded healers. <laughs> We're broken men that reach broken men. We're father to the fatherless. We're a soft answer to wrath questions. We're more. And so I need you to think of yourself in more than just a church planner trying to make it past three years. You got to think of yourself as a change agent, an inserted agent to take the gospel, a glory reflector to reflect God's glory, a, a, a well-suffering sufferer and for Christ's name. You're not just no planner. You're not just no pastor. You're God's child taking God's word to people who hate God. That's a big task. And you're not going to do that with your MDiv. You're going to need the Holy Ghost power. You're going to need Holy Ghost boldness. You're going to need the Bible, a word. You're going to need a wife who don't mind you crying night after night. You're going to need some kids that can endure some mess. That's what I'm screaming. I ain't interested in diversity sin. And I'm interested in being diverse around the king. Diverse around the throne, diverse at the cross. I'm interested in that. When I think about the hood in Camden, white folk, black folk, and Puerto Rican folk get along just great. Everybody say, Doug, how was it with a white wife? I say, man, poor folk don't call that chicken I give them no white or black chicken. They call that a good chicken. And they'll take it from a white person, a black person, or a Puerto Rican person. When I give out coats, they don't say that's a white coat or a black coat. That's a warm coat. Nobody gave my wife a problem. They just called her Miss Angel. You know how we do in the hood. We just make white people black so we can love them. We just say, she really black. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they just call Angel black. Well, you know, she really black. I'm serious. 
So we have to. Pastors, you're, you're doing more than planting a church. You're changing the world. Don't view yourself as a denominational step and fetch it. Don't view yourself like that. You are God's son doing God's business. And it's going to cost you everything. Peter says, well, I've left all to follow you. Have you left all to follow him? Well, you go with joy and suffer well for the king. I got to finish, but it says, so that you may glorify God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, with one mind and one voice. See that harmony? So even after we finish fighting with white, Chinese, African, everybody, we still got to work this out, repent, and still glorify him with one voice. Still got to do that. I saw the many nations singing today. It's a beautiful picture. Let this room be a microcosm of what we're working towards as a network. I don't want you to just think post-eschaton. I want you to think right now. We are working towards a room that looks like this all over the world. Don't settle that this was just an episodic gathering of diverse group of people. Let's pursue this with the gospel. Let's go hard in our cities that we might sing in one voice. How do we do that? And I'm, close, I'm closing after this because the way ain't going to say, see, you said TED Talk and then you're going to violate. I look, I see him now bubbling over there. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Well, Doug, you're talking all that hype and you don't even pass no church no more. <laughs> Romans, Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. This word accept in the CSB, I think in the NAS and the ESV says welcome. It's a beautiful Greek word here. It carries this idea of aggressively receive. Therefore, aggressively receive one another. In other words, it's not going to be your passive, hey, brother, can we talk? If you get a chance, shoot me a text. Hey, whenever you ever want to talk about it, let me know. That's not aggressively receiving people. It's you going after them to get to the realities of our challenges so that we can move forward and look like the family of God and not fighters about God. We're the family of God. This aggressive receiving. The Helps Word study says it, this, this personal interest in aggressively receiving. To bring in as a friend with intentional and aggressive hospitality. Do we have aggressive hospitality with hostile people about the gospel? We need to. I tell you, that's what your church plan is designed for. You're supposed to have aggressive hospitality when you go to a city that doesn't know Jesus and you tell them to come to your cookout, come to your church, come to your interest meeting. That's an aggressive hospitality. But we have to ask ourselves, are we doing that? out of being an aggressively receiving body, are we doing that to get the necessary numbers so we can get the necessary check from the necessary denomination so that we can get some personal swag and accomplishment? Are we doing it to change the world? I can tell you I've done it not to change the world. 
I was in the PCA. I did it to prove to the white boys I was smart as them. And I have to repent. I had to repent of that. And Acts 29, I did it because there's a lot of big white churches in Acts 29. So when I got up to swing, I was trying to be, you know, Jackie Robinson. I wasn't trying to be no little guy. I wanted to be the man. I was taking theological steroids and everything trying to get up and preach. But it wasn't for the glory of God, for the glory of Doug. So when we invite people, are we aggressively inviting them to bring glory to God and build this diverse family? Are we inviting them with ulterior motives for our personal gain? We got to repent of the first, this, the latter and fight hard and hold each other accountable for the first. Radically. The second half of the verse speaks to the intention and aggression and the length of Christ's love for us that he died so that we might brought, be brought into the house of God, to the glory of God. So when we radically, aggressively, intentionally invite, that now shapes us to be radically diverse global network. It's, we're not the passive global family. We're the aggressive inviting global family. We aggressively invite people who don't agree with us on matters of race, but they're trying to figure it out. I can tell you as I talked to Pakistanians the other day, as I'm coaching them, I sat down in Serbia a month ago with the Ukrainian guys, and most of them don't, you, you would challenge their theology. It's rough. But you know what they all say? If I can get with y'all, I can have a family to help reach the lost families of my country. They don't think of us with no diverse struggles. They see a black dude in the room in Belgrade with like 400 white people and me. Them, them Serbians were staring at me like I was a black ghost. And I was uncomfortable. I've never felt more black in my life than I went to Belgrade. If you know Belgrade, Bell means white and grade means city. So we were in the white city. And I was the black eyed pea in the pot of white city. And then when the dude came up to me talking Ukrainian, I just didn't know what to say. Then he had his niece say, my, my uncle read your book and he needs help. He sees how you as he got on the internet, planted white people and black people, and Acts 29 is very diverse. We were saying, I don't know how diverse we were. They, in their mind, felt that. I sat down with him for an hour and coached him with the translator, and I looked up and said, Has I've, have I done that in the States for the glory of seeing Christ named in, in a place where he's not named, or have I done that to get glory when I've coached otherwise. We have to repent and figure out who we are as we move forward and who we are, men. We are gospel-centered, wounded healers that have been called radically by God to do a radical work. Take the gospel to all nations and teach them all things that Christ taught and all means all.
Father, thank you for your word. And we know without you, it's impossible. We know that um, our strategy will not create converts, but you do that. And you call us to faithfully following what you've called us to do. You've called us to call out with a radical gospel to a radically sinful people that they might become radical converts and walk out a radical gospel and then just repeat. So God, as a network, we pray that you would ever guide us and continue to strengthen us to grow and develop for your glory and by your grace. Have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen.